him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth the son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him Excuse me, and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. One more verse, if you would, go with me to John chapter 4. Actually, I can just read it for you. I have it ready to go. But John chapter 4 and verse 10, when Jesus met with the woman at the well, he just makes this amazing statement to her. And if you think about it, how, how many are going to receive a gift on Christmas? How many are going to give a gift on Christmas? Amen. So there's a gift involved. But listen to what Jesus tells the woman at the well in ministering to her in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it, who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Father, this morning in these next few moments, as we pause just to remember the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we know you weren't born now, but we are pausing to remember. In the same way we have communion, we do this in remembrance of you. We remember, Father, that you loved us so much that you wrapped your love in the body of your Son and you sent the resource of heaven to us, meeting every need in our life. In one gift, you met every need, and we thank you for that today, and we celebrate your goodness in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Amen. Look at your outline with me, if you would, and uh, just some thoughts. Seeing, setting the record straight sometimes a good deal to do. What is a real manger scene? My minister friend Larry Huggins, he has like this uh, little Facebook page, but it's kind of a debate page, so he throws out kind of antagonistic questions every now and then. What about this? What about that? And he goes, he goes were, were, were there wise men at the manger, and was there a star over the manger? Answer both of those is no. When Jesus was born, the Magi followed the star and then as they followed him, it led them and then it rested over the house where Jesus was. If you go on and read in Matthew chapter two, it tells the story of, of the, the wise men coming to worship Jesus. And about that time, Jesus was two years old. So the star led them there. And so there's a lot of things that we get just a little bit twisted sometimes. How many know if you, if you went up to somebody and they had their nativity scene? I mean, there's a lot of people and they, 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 they do uh, protest now. They don't want nativity scenes on public property and they don't want it on a courthouse or on the, you know, the city's hall or whatever in our schools and stuff. But if you just went up to somebody that had their nativity scene and said, hey, you know what? The wise men really weren't there. Yes, they were. No, they weren't. Yes, they were. So you, could, you could get into a fist fight over the wise men, praise the Lord. I have a little nativity scene walking in the entryway of our house, a little wood one our kids made in school a while back, and over the manger it's got a little star up there, but the star wasn't there at the manger. It led them in that. So I'm even unscriptural at my house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. But when you get it straight, what was the real manger scene? Who was really there? That's what gets us sometimes. What we add to or what we take away from the Word of God makes a big difference. Amen. And so we need to go back and remember that. Sometimes we just need to strip away all that's been added, 
on and handed down to view once again the pure truth and simplicity of the birth of our Savior. And every year the question is the questions are asked. What would you like? What would you want? Or what do you need for Christmas? Out of all that I have ever received, there has been very little that I could really not do without. How many would agree? Everything you've ever gotten, there probably is very little that you just absolutely couldn't do without. Most of the time at Christmas, the rest of the time of our year, we're going through things and we deal with the realities of life day to day. We have to buy the things that we need to live. But when it comes to Christmas time, most of the time we think about the extra stuff. And so it's a thing we have for the extra things, the enjoyment. And that's a wonderful part. It's like Sean said during the offering. God daily loads us down with benefit. God blesses us. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. God wants us to be blessed. Amen? But in the area of that, what it's about is the truth of Christmas is the meeting of the true necessity of our life. Most of what we receive is just newer, better, bigger, faster. We enjoy them all and receive them with the love in which they are given. They add comfort, pleasure to our life. They are an expression of love that another has for us. Yet few, if any, ever have a lasting value of endurance to them. How many still have the toy you got when you were three? Some of you might. It's probably worth a lot of money right now. Amen. Hallelujah, if it's still wrapped. But think about that. They will soon fade. They'll crack. They'll chip. They'll break. They'll shrink. They won't charge up, wind up, stand up, fill up, zip up, or button up. Amen. So I wonder how many of us would truly ask so at this time of year for what we really need. We're not opposed to sharing our desire. Why are we opposed to sharing our desire for things? But what about the true needs of our life? I think about as we look around in life today, people have real needs. Amen? More than just the superficial things of our life, we have real needs. And I'm thankful that God sent His Son to minister to the real needs. When you unwrap Jesus, when you receive the gift of God, Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God, when you receive Him, you receive a gift that meets your real needs in life. Amen? Think about people. What about healing for the brokenness and pain in my life? What about acceptance for the rejection and abandonment that we have experienced? What about peace to calm the storms of my fear? What about forgiveness and restoration? Think about that. Just in storms of fear. People today, what's happening? There's there's a terrorist attack here. There's disease outbreaks. There's all kinds of stuff. People are afraid. I just heard the tragic news this morning as I ironed my shirt and the news was on. I heard the news about the two police officers who were just shot sitting in their car and that come on there's just tragic news all the way around and then people get fearful about what's going on what's happening how many know we need Jesus to bring peace to the calm the storms of my fear what about forgiveness and restoration what about compassion and understanding what about another chance to prove that we are not a failure what about faith hope and love God, in all His love for us, has given us what we truly need, a Savior. In Him, everything we are afraid or ashamed to ask for is given to us. He fills every void, heals every pain, calms every storm, and forgives and restores every soul. I went back and I, and, and I found this little statement, and I like it. It says, the Bible declares that this was more than just a child being born. 
This man was Emmanuel. His name shall be called Emmanuel as we read God with us. That means no matter where you go, God is with you. What does that mean? That means he is God in the valley and he's God on the mountaintop. Amen? That means He's God when I'm winning and He's God when I'm losing. He's God in the cancer ward. He's God on the street with the homeless. He's God in the midst of the chains of addiction. He's God when I'm mourning death. He's God when it seems like I'm losing my mind. He's God when my healing is failing, my health is failing. He's God in and through the lonely despair of rejection. He's God in my darkest night, God in my brightest day. He's God when the world's economy is crashing in. And He's God in the midst of war and he is and will always be God who brings peace goodwill and salvation to every person amen thank God for his gift but he's the only gift that will never be outdated will never need to be updated repaired or replaced you know sometimes I, I like our phones and stuff and they're kind of cool but they're always asking you to update to the latest operating system how many are glad that Jesus doesn't need to be updated? How many glad that you don't have to replace him with the newest model? Isn't it awesome that for over 2,000 years, his model is always the right model for every day? Amen? Get the latest and the greatest. We keep trying to make him the latest and the greatest, but the original is still the greatest. Amen? Thank God for that. What if God's plan was to give a gift that could actually restore our life back to where it could have been all along? The youth had all these boxes up over there and stuff for their Christmas decorations. And I brought some over just to help illustrate this morning. All these boxes here represent would represent a gift that somebody had purchased for somebody and prepared for somebody. But they're all different shapes and sizes and they would contain different articles within them. And that's exactly what you and I are. Every one of us in here, our life is a different shape and a different size and have different needs and necessities than anybody else. When God created us, you're wrapped differently and you're wrapped uniquely from anybody else and when God created the gift of his son for you he made it uniquely for you when you sit down thinking about somebody else you know what you do you try to think about that person how well do I know that person what would they really need how could I express my love and give something to them and every one of these boxes would represent a gift that somebody had thought about somebody had put maybe prayed over and thought about somebody and prepared for and then wrapped and it was prepared before before you ever came to receive it. It was prepared in advance of your coming, in advance of your receiving. All the thought, all the preparation was prepared in advance. And when you opened it, it came as a surprise. And that's the way the Lord Jesus is to us. When we receive him, he is that gift that was prepared beforehand. Amen. I'm amazed that when I got saved and living my life out, that God had wrapped a life up for me and prepared a life for me that just is amazing. And it continually unfolds and it continually is enjoyed. How many he would agree so every box represents a life pre-planned by God thought out with love and planned with purpose this is the time of year when we remember remember that God wrapped his love in the body of his son and sent him to be born in a manger in Bethlehem the proclamation of good news was made to all mankind God was now with men on that glorious day God made a way for you through a gift in a manger. How many have ever sang the song, Away in a Manger? We think about, oh, away over there in a the manger. No, God made a way in the manger for you and I. I'm thankful for that. 
What was declared in eternity could no longer be restrained or held by time. God's love and covenant promise has been birthed, fulfilled, and given to all mankind. This was the day that would lead to the day of atonement for all sin. God said, you know what? I'm going to redeem humanity. And the way I'm going to do that, I'm going to send my life in my son. And I'm going to send him as a child. He's going to live. He's going to go through every stage and every experience of life that you and I have been through. He's going to conquer it. He's going to be victorious over it. He's going to be without sin in it. And then he's going to be able to offer up his life as atonement for our sins. Amen? The giving and the sending of his son was something that took place before Jesus was formed in the womb of the virgin. Jesus was sent before he was formed, and so are we. We need to hear it again. There is a preordained purpose for all of God's creation that is connected to his expected end. Next service, I get the privilege and the honor of being able to pray for my new little grandson, J.D., and we're going to dedicate him. But you know what? God already ordained his life. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you. And when we're praying, we're just agreeing. When we give our lives to God, what we step into is the life that he pre-planned for us. That's what Ephesians 2.10 says. It says that we are his workmanship, recreated in God, and living out the life that he pre-planned for us to live. So when you come to Christ, you come and you open this great gift and you open up this life. And it's amazing to discover the love and the thought and the preparation that he made in giving us life in his son so there's that purpose for each of us it is the more that everyone feels inside of them every gift you receive on christmas will have been purchased and prepared before you arrive to open it amen if there's anything under a tree right now, if there's any gift that's being bought, people are going out in advance. The person doesn't show up and you go, oh, hey, wait here and I'll go get something for you. I'll go make some. No, you do it in advance. And God did everything in advance in your life. That's the exciting part. We're worried about it. We think, God, do you know what's going on? Do you know where I'm at right now? The gift of Christ before God even created humanity, he prepared the gift of his son for it. I don't know about you, I get excited about all this, praise the Lord. Yet if you condense it down to just one simple truth, you will always end up with just the four simple words that's connected to his name, Emmanuel, which just means God is with us. We live in a world that doesn't know what to do with this truth. We run from him, deny him, and try to ignore him, and yet invoke his name and call upon his clemency in our times of need and despair. Remember one day I was doing a, a, a uh, wedding here, and after the wedding at the reception, I was going back and forth. It was for, uh, I used to do weddings for the Chamber of Commerce. I don't do those anymore but this couple so they had used the facility and they were having a thing and a guy was out in the parking lot and then after the ceremony he's going well you know I'm an atheist I said that's cool I said do you know who an atheist is it's a person who hasn't needed God yet I said I could test your theory I said if I stuck your hiney in the fourth story of a burning building probably the first thing out of your mouth would be oh God you would call upon the one that you say you don't believe in. Help. You would cry out for help. If you were in a life-threatening, no-answer situation, you would call upon the one that you say does not exist. I said an atheist is just somebody who hasn't needed God yet. 
Amen. It's a luxury of an opinion where there is no need. Could I get an amen? Think about that. So we live in a world that doesn't know what to do with that truth. Yet through it all, these four words still ring true. God is with us. Go ahead, Luke. Amen. What a great promise. Amen. I'm thankful. You know, sometimes I think and uh, we uh, it's important. I've said it before that the Bible is not just a book of stories. These aren't Bible stories. 
The Bible is a record of factual accounts of history. That's what the Bible is. It is a record of factual historical events. It is a fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It is a fact that he lived. It is a fact that Herod tried to persecute. You can read history and you can find the facts out. And he fulfills what's amazing is I was talking to the, 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 the folks at CLS Thursday morning. Just remember, through the life, the birth, the life, and the death of Christ, over 300 Bible prophecies were fulfilled just in the life of Christ. It's amazing. One person, statistician, said it like this. If you took the state of Texas and covered it two feet deep in quarters and you painted one quarter red, and you put that at the bottom of somewhere in there, and you walking through reached in and grabbed that quarter out in your first try, that's the odds of all 300 of those prophecies coming to pass in one life. Seeing how they were prophesied from Genesis all the way through Malachi. Amen. Over that whole course of history coming up to that part, over 4,000 years, the prophetic word was declared. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. We're celebrating Christmas and people go, oh, we're getting close to Christmas. We're getting close. Christmas is coming. But the birth of the Savior was coming. It was coming. It was coming. And then on that day, that miracle was birthed. Amen. Now, I think about like that. If God can declare it and he can bring it to pass, then surely he can take care of your life and my life. If God could produce that kind of awe, if he can work that way to secure our salvation, what a great hope that puts on the inside of us. What something We have something to remember. The greatest gift is not something that you won't be able to wind up anymore. It won't run anymore. It won't fit anymore. I wish all my sweaters still fit. God has enlarged my borders and I need bigger tents. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So think about it. The God of all creation has come to man. The one who redeemed man had to be all man. He had to come to fulfill all things. The holy God of Israel has now come to be with men. He is the Son of Man. All that God is is now wrapped in the flesh of His Son, lying in the manger and crying real tears. Do you understand that? When little Jackson was born, our little grandsons were born, our children were born, they're born and they're crying. Jesus was a real baby. He cried real tears. He pooed real poo. He did all the stuff that babies do. Amen. He did everything. But there he is being cared for by real parents, being observed by shepherds, being worshipped by angels, and being searched for by kings. Being proclaimed to the world. God is now on the earth in a real country called Israel, in a real city called Bethlehem, in a real place called a manger. The very name that angels would speak is now given to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Prior to Him coming, angels would, would declare, there will be a day when God will be with men. There will be a day when God will be with men. There will be a day when God will be with men. It was proclaimed in heaven, but now it's coming to pass. They used to declare it in heaven. Now they were singing it over the manger where God was now with men. Amen? Praise the Lord. Centuries later, though, 
It is still just four words. The four words that change history can now change our lives. Four words that can bring meaning, hope, and healing to the deepest recesses of hidden wounds of our hearts and lives. Four words that can heal the pain of our path with the promise of a future and a hope. Four words that can pierce the hardest heart and melt the coldest and most callous of lives. Never has there been just four words that have had so much meaning and so much power. The four words that change history can now change our life. If you're alone, He came for you. If you feel abandoned and lost, He came for you. If you are broken and discouraged and in despair, He came for you. This next clip is about Christmas Eve. It isn't Christmas Eve, and we won't be here on Christmas Eve. But the message in this video is powerful, and you need to hear it. Some of you are sitting here and don't have a care in the world. You're not busy, and this season hasn't been hectic at all. Every gift was easy to find, and every family member has been unusually kind and generous this December. But then, there are the other 99% of you. Some of you just left the house and are trying to remember if you blew the candles out, the ones near the highly flammable Christmas tree that's getting drier by the minute. Some of you are getting together with extended family members whose expectations are higher than Mount Kilimanjaro. Some of you barely made it to this service and within the last 60 minutes actually thought, maybe we should just skip it all together. So for all of us in here, I just want to remind you of what's really important. All that other stuff is important, but this one thing is way more important than anything else. So just breathe and take it in. He will give birth to a son, and you shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means flesh means God with us. Today in the city of David, the Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, he is Christ, he is Christ the Lord. what's really important. So wherever you're at, whatever you're in the middle of, and whatever is coming next for you and your family, we invite you to set aside this time to focus on Christ the Lord. Just breathe. And allow yourself to view this world-changing event with awe and with wonder. After all, God is with us. Not only Amen. Isn't that awesome to know? Right here, right now. Bill, if you come back to the keyboard, if you would, please. <laughs> Caught him. Amen. So the question is, and I think that's something, it's so easy for us to get caught up and forget that he is with us. with us 
matter what you're going through, God is with you. He's with you. I had a, my son Austin and his fiance Teresa and her sisters came pregnant and then just had a miscarriage. And they were going through it and she was in her third trimester, I think the 13th or 15th week and 15th week I think and her water broke and so they go in and the doctors are giving them the news that even though there's a heartbeat still, the baby might not make it. So people are praying, believing, standing. Nelson called and said, Dad, what do I do? I said, Son, there's situations where you can't give an answer. You just have to know that God is with you in that moment. That He is with you. And we can pray and we can believe and you stand. But God is with you. He'll be with you through it all. Amen. And we've experienced that in our family and things. That it's a, it's a heart-wrenching, heart-wrenching time, broken time. But God is with you. In tragic loss, in joyous gain, He said, I'm with you. And the key is, is knowing His peace and knowing that He will sustain it. Amen? I remember he, he goes, well, I, I said, I, I just try to encourage people. I said, whatever happens, help people not to be discouraged towards God. John the Baptist in prison after preaching the gospel, after doing and living for God, and there he is, he thought, sure, well, Lord, if you're the Savior, surely you will get me out. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, John. That isn't the way it's going to work. I am the Messiah. I am he who was sent. And blessed is he who is not offended in me. We have to believe that God is with us. That he has a wisdom. He has an understanding. And he has a purpose that is greater than sometimes what we can see. Even though it can be carried with pain, he is still God with us. Amen? Still with us. So our question is, will we come to Him just as we are? We've been searching for answers. And He's been searching for us. He can't heal, though, what you won't reveal or cleanse what you won't confess. We just need to acknowledge that he already knows. I like this thought about the Lord Jesus. That you and I are blessed by his yes. Jesus said to the Father, I will go for them. Father said, if we create them, we're going to have to redeem them. And Jesus said yes before you ever said no. Before anybody ever said no to God, before Adam and Eve made the wrong choice, Jesus said yes on our behalf. In choosing to say yes to God, He became the one man who was worth all men, and He changed time for all of eternity. The dilemma was that a man must do what only God can do, and God must do what only a man must do. 
It would take one to be the covenant representative for all and secure a victory over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus became the one man who was worth all men. One gift that was worth everybody. As a man, he chose when tempted to stay faithful and say yes to God. In doing so, he became the last Adam. And for man, as man, to deal with sin and Satan. That's why the Bible speaks in finished phrases and completed works. It only took one man born in a manger to make a way for all men for all time. Thank God for that. Amen? This Christmas, remember, He's Emmanuel. He is with you. Maybe like that young couple, you've had tragic loss. God is with us in answers. He's with us. I said it last week. As long as we're alive, we're a candidate for a miracle. Believe for miracles. Don't say that. And, 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 and I'm not saying that in a way, oh, we just accept defeat and we accept God. No, as long as we're alive. I shared with Austin, I said, son, you never, you just pray and you believe. You just stay in faith and you believe. You stay in faith and you believe. He is God with us. He, we have to trust Him. We have to stay at peace in Him. David, when he had had a child with Bathsheba and, and then that child was afflicted and through God's judgment, I'm not saying that there's judgment, but in that moment, what you look at is not the circumstance that but David's response to what was going on was that he went and he fasted and he prayed and he just sought the Lord says I don't know but I'm going to seek God I'm going to believe God I'm praying and I'm interceding for this child and 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 then when the child passed David got up and he went about his business and everybody was amazed at David's response how come you're not sad how come you're not grieving and David just said hey while he was alive, I stayed in faith, and I'm believing. But now, I just stay with God. I'm going to go on. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be the man that God called me. This doesn't change my heart towards God. Amen? He is with us. And when we go through things where they don't have answers, as a pastor, that's a harder thing. We always want to have an answer. You don't always get to have the answer. The answer is Emmanuel. God with us. And when you can't forget, I'm still going to praise him. I, I said to Austin and going through that, I just feel like this is not, maybe this is helping somebody this morning. But in this area, one of the verses is David declared this. David said, though he slay me, yet shall I praise him. And I think, well, what a weird statement, though the God slay me. What that means is that there can be times when it looks like God himself is against you. And you can't figure out what's going on. But he's not against me, he's with me. My Bible says that he works all things together for our good. Amen? And there's always situations we don't understand. So David said, though he slay me, though it looks like my very God is against me, I'm going to praise him anyway. Amen? So keep that in mind. God is with you no matter what you're going through, no matter where you've been. Hold on to God with you. Amen? He's given you the greatest gift you could ever have. He's given you his life. In his son, God is with you. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the precious gift of your son, Jesus Christ.